Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Happy to have you with us once again. My fantastic teammates from Lions247.com will be joining us over the course of this episode. We'll begin with Tyler Calvaruso, our recruiting insider. Break down Pennsylvania recruiting landscape in the 2024 class. We're not going to go through 30, 40 names, but Tyler has a few he wants to spotlight in this conversation. They've already got a couple committed to this class as Penn State has relied on homegrown talent to build out its early portion of the 2024 class. And then we'll look at uh, the linebacker situation for Penn State entering the 2024 cycle. Not entering, but as we really fully shift focus to that, uh, they've been at it with several linebackers for a while now. Who are the names to know? A bunch of top 24-7 prospects in the mix after Penn State signed three blue-chip linebackers in their 2023 recruiting class. And a little bit later, you'll hear from Daniel Gallen. He'll be back on board. We'll break down some winter workouts. Uh, Developments. We've got some top performers, thanks to the coaching staff at Penn State, putting that out over the last couple of weeks. We'll break down position by position, look at who's lighting things up early on in these winter workouts, uh, about a month out of spring practices. And we'll finish off with some basketball conversation, including a look at a recruit, uh, in fact, a Penn State signee that Daniel Gown was able to go out and see in some high school matchup very recently. But first things first, recruiting trail. And here he is, Tyler Calvaruso. And as I just laid out, we've got a couple different things we're excited to kind of uh, sink our teeth into on this episode. We'll finish up this segment with a couple recent offers and, and try to make sense of those. But as I said, putting the spotlight on the state of Pennsylvania, it's been pretty good to, to uh, Penn State lately, Tyler Calvaruso. Each of the last couple of years, six of the top 10 prospects in Pennsylvania's composite rankings signed with Penn State. It was four of the top six in the 2023 class that included number one, Javen Williams. They've signed the number one prospect out of Pennsylvania in each of the last two cycles. Uh, last year, of course, Nick Singleton came onto the scene. All he did was win Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He was one of eight top 14 prospects in the state of Pennsylvania last year who ultimately signed with the Nittany Lions. He burned his red shirt. So did Abdul Carter. So did offensive lineman Drew Shelton. With all that laid out and the history established a little bit, Tyler Calvaruso, turning the page toward 2024, where are we looking? You know, it's a pretty good group again in the state, and it's a point of emphasis for Penn State. You know, you want to keep the best in Pennsylvania. You want to keep them home. That's a big point of emphasis for James Franklin and his coaching staff, and they're in a pretty good spot with a lot of the top in-state kids. I mean, we've already seen it come to fruition in 2024 with Cooper Cousins and Anthony Speck deciding to join the fold, but there are a lot of guys on their board who are Pennsylvania natives. They're high on the board, 
and they're also high on Penn State. Might might be a little bit harder for the staff to sign the uh, number one prospect in Pennsylvania this year, but uh, you know we'll get into that. There's still a long way to go. Yeah, we got a few names to cover, and one of those is Quentin Martin, who's the number one player in Pennsylvania per these rankings, and out of Bell Vernon and the southwest portion of the state of Pennsylvania. And before that, just we'll get back to the two names that you mentioned there: Cooper Cousins, a top twenty-four-seven prospect out of McDowell High School in Erie, Pennsylvania. He's been a riser in twenty-four-seven sports rankings since issuing an early commitment more than a year ago. And then Anthony Specka finally gave Cooper Cousins that company out of Central Catholic in Pittsburgh, a linebacker prospect. He's a four-star composite player. Um, he committed in January. So with those two guys on board, why not start at the top of this list? Quentin Martin. Guys, been to campus, but you've kind of gone through this a couple times on podcasts in the last few months in saying, get ready to buckle up for what is very much a modern recruitment process. Yeah, and, you know, not to beat a dead horse, like you just said, we've talked about it plenty of times, but there's definitely, it's not just a football recruitment. There's more to it than just the X's and O's and the fit and the coaching staff and the relationship. There is an NIL element of this recruitment. And I don't want to say that necessarily complicates things for Penn State, but it, it does make the picture a little bit more cloudy because you got programs like Ohio State who, you know, they might not be the biggest NIL program in the world, but they, they do have they, they have some ammo. And Penn State's in a similar spot, and you don't know what other programs are going to get involved with Martin throughout the course of his recruitment. Because if those big NIL players come calling, you just don't know where it's going to go. Now, what I can speak to with Martin is this. You know, there's no, really no sense in – harping on the unknown right now because there's such a long way to go in this recruitment when it comes to who will get involved and, you know, the NIL picture. But what can be said about Martin is he has a good relationship with Penn State coaching staff. He's tight with Anthony Specco, which I think is important because, look, at the end of the day, we can talk about the business aspect of this all we want, but Quentin Martin's still a 17-year-old kid. You know, he wants to play with his friends. That, that, that's part of this equation, and I think having Specco on board is a pretty big deal because they're close, and he's in his ear about Penn State, so that's a plus for the Nittany Lions. And he's been to campus. So there are things going Penn State's way in this recruitment, you know, despite everything going with the NIL. And Ohio State's a big player, like I said. And this is one we're just really going to have to kind of ride it out and see where the spring takes us. Where is he going to visit? Because he wasn't really all that active in January. What campuses he's going to wind up on? And when it comes down to it, where is he wind up scheduling official visits? So. There's a lot going on in this recruitment. It's still really early, but it's also not early at the same time. Before we know if the spring is going to be here, he's going to have some visits laid out. And I assume Penn State will be one of them. I assume he's going to get back on campus in the spring. But we'll see. The staff's pushing, man. There's no doubt about it who one of the top dogs on their board is. Quentin Martin's up there. Yeah, we're two months away from official visits taking over uh, the narrative for the 2024 recruiting class. And from there, it just seems to speed up toward that early signing period on an annual basis. Uh, with Martin, though, I mean, the sales pitch is in your back pocket if you're Penn State and, you're, and you want to lock him in as your running back of the future from the state of Pennsylvania. You look what Nick Singleton was able to accomplish. And oh, by the way, Nick Singleton, before he got to campus, a big part of the reason he ended up in Happy Valley was what guys like Miles Sanders, Journey Brown, Saquon Barkley were able to accomplish in a Nittany Lions uniform after being very successful running backs at the high school level in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, moving down the list a bit here, and again, we're not gonna, just going to go through a, a top 20. These are names that Tyler specifically wanted to bring to the table for this episode. And I know a name that's been at the forefront for you a while in the 2024 cycle, a guy that impressed each of us when we saw him in camp action, camp action on campus last summer. Kevin Haywood, a four-star composite prospect, listed 6'7", 290 pounds out of Archbishop Wood. Now, I've, I've been fielding questions for what feels like a while now about Haywood. When's he going to commit? He seems like he's so high on Penn State, and he is. No doubt about it. 
But the thing is with him, and this is something that's been maintained really throughout his recruitment, it's going to be a thorough process. He wants to have pretty much every detail available to him before he makes a decision. And when he does get back to Penn State, it's going to be a more in-depth visit, more behind the scenes in the sense that he's going to be catching up with the strength and conditioning staff, kind of getting a feel for how he could develop in the weight room if he were to call Happy Valley his home at the next level. And that's something that he's been doing in his other visits throughout the winter. You know, he made it down to Tennessee for their junior day. Vols offered during the fall. He got on campus during the fall. So I'd say they're a player there. Michigan's a player as well. But look, we have the crystal balls in for Haywood. I'm still feeling good about mine. I Penn State has a lot going in this recruitment. Phil Trotwin's done a really, really good job. Keeping Deion Barnes is big because they have a relationship way back when, when Haywood was, was focusing primarily on the defensive line and Barnes was his trainer back before Barnes jumped into college coaching. So there is a lot working in Penn State's favor here. Still feel pretty good about the crystal ball. I'm not anticipating anything soon because, like I said, I, I think this is going to be something that he's not going to pull the trigger until he's a 1,000% comfortable. you got to respect that out of any recruit. So – We'll see where this one goes. Some officials will probably be scheduled, and we'll see where he winds up. But right now, I still definitely like where Penn State stands with the artificial wood product. That crystal ball has been collecting dust for about five yeah. months, so I think that probably has to do with you getting the questions yes. that have been yes. following up. And, hey, let me just put it out there. Our guy Tyler Calvaruso was not alone in putting that crystal ball in no. back in September. Brian Doan did. Steve Wilkfong did. And sometimes it takes a long time for things to come to fruition. Sometimes you end up changing your crystal ball pick in yep. the long term. But right now, as you said, you feel pretty good about it. Nothing imminent. You've been stressing that really since you put that crystal ball pick in that there was not an imminent situation here uh, with Kevin Haywood. And that has certainly been the case as he continues to explore his options. Uh, let's stay in the trenches, but shift over to a defensive lineman. Uh, David Pele Pele out of Hempfield High School in Landisville. He's a composite three star and a guy that you said we need to talk about. Yeah, he's really blown up in his recruitment since Penn State offered believe it was all the way back in September, maybe during the summer they offered. It, it was a while ago at this point because they were one of the first Power 5 programs to offer the Hempfield product. And he almost made it down to IMG. He, he was weighing the idea of transferring down to IMG Academy for his senior season. Decided to stay home, which I say helps Penn State because even though they do have a good relationship with the IMG Academy staff, you know, keep them in the region, keep them around. It makes it easier to get them on campus. You know, Penn State's in the mix with a lot of high-quality defensive line targets, so we're going to have to see where he falls at the end of the day. But he camped for the staff in the summer. John Scott Jr. liked what he saw, which prompted the offer. And they've been really focused on building that relationship with him ever since. He was on campus for the home opener. He's a guy who doesn't really make a lot of visits because, you know, for his travel situation. So when he does get on a campus, it's an important deal. He's been to Penn State. He's got a comfort with John Scott Jr. and Deion Barnes. So definitely a name to know heading into the spring and summer. I think he's going to have a lot of visits to make because, I mean, really – his offer list has turned into a who's who, Notre Dame, obviously just a bunch of programs have come calling and he's a high level prospect. Someone Penn state definitely has its eye on. A couple nuggets here on, on Pele Pele. He is the cousin of uh, Pene Sewell, who was one of the top uh, recent picks in the NFL draft uh, and now playing for the Detroit lions after a career with the Oregon ducks. And he may be a Pennsylvania high school standout. He is not a Pennsylvania native with roots. Nope. He moved here from Anchorage, Alaska at the age of 14. So uh, I am I am very curious if, if maybe some Pac-12 programs 
start sniffing around. I mean, you never know with, with you know some of the roots that he has. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to for a guy that uh, people will probably kind of scroll past. I, I don't think as of now that he has – yeah, he has no composite rating. So this is a name that, that people probably weren't necessarily seeking out. And so I, I appreciate you bringing this one up to discuss a little bit. Uh, Kenneth Wosley is a name that we've been talking about for a while. Uh, he is a four-star composite out of a priority program at Imhotep Institute in Philadelphia, one that produces Power 5 talent – on an annual basis, he has been to those campus trips, has a rapport with Terry Smith, the cornerbacks coach for Penn State, who always has his sights set on the city of brotherly love. What do we make of Kenny Wosley at this stage? Still feel pretty good about that crystal ball pick when we put it in. I'm still feeling pretty good about it right now. A little bit of time has elapsed. Kind of the same deal, really, that I've been saying with him. Wouldn't really expect any movement until the spring. Michigan's definitely a player there. I, I know he likes his staff, and he's got his uh, Imitep teammate, Samaj Bridgman, four-star linebacker from the 2023 class. He's a Wolverine signee, so he's been flashing the M's at practice. Saw a video of that on Twitter. So Wolverines are definitely in that mix, but like where Penn State is at, got a good relationship with the staff, really likes the idea of his fit in Manny Diaz's defense. And really just to kind of rehash the impact of his junior day visit, in January, it afforded him the opportunity to get more of an idea of what Penn State has to offer off the field academically, just support, and, you know, not only improving you as a football player, but improving you as a person. That was something that he really liked. So that ultimately put Penn State in a pretty good spot. I like where the Nindy Lions are trending right now, but we'll see what visits come about in the spring again, and we're just going to have to see where he pops up, but feeling pretty good about that crystal ball as it sits. You mentioned the connection through his teammate Samaj Bridgman uh, to Michigan. He's signed with that program, but he also has a connection here at Penn State, Keon Wiley, yeah. who really enjoyed his freshman year. It was one of the top developmental scout team players of the season for Penn State and what he's able to do at the linebacker position. He's a guy that we're going to monitor going into spring balls, maybe a roster riser. But I can tell you just coming off a conversation with Keon a, a few days ago, uh, he really enjoyed his experience. And I, and I have to imagine that will be reflected in any kind of conversations those two have had as former high school teammates. Another name to get to here, another guy that that is on ranked in terms of the composite, but that's not going to stick for long. Malachi Williams, he's a six foot four athlete, the defending national champions of college football. Just put an offer out to him. Monsignor Bonner and Drexel Hill is where you'll find Williams. It's a good thing Penn State got in early with the man. <laughs> yeah, really. He's he's the real deal. You know, he's not ranked right now, but he's gonna have a case to be a top 24-7 prospect sooner rather than later. So he visited Penn State in January, got on campus for a junior day. Nittany Lions really wasted no time offering after they verified his measurements and all that good stuff. James Franklin loved what he saw. The offer came straight from him, and he was really telling Williams, hey, look, you got a good opportunity to stay home now. We really want you here. But it's going to be a battle. It's definitely going to be a battle because he's got a lot of options to win. Now, you mentioned Georgia, and that's really just the tip of the iceberg. He's got a lot of high-quality Power 5 options. There's a lot to like about Williams coming off the edge. He's got some pretty good traits. You know, it doesn't come from necessarily a traditional Pennsylvania power, but he's a really high-level prospect, man. So we'll see if he makes it back to campus in the spring. I anticipate him, you know, making it back to Penn State, but also getting out and seeking out some of these new opportunities that he's been given because February has been a really, really busy month for him on the offer front. Let's go to another guy who does not have that rating or ranking yet. As we said, we're, we're doing a bit of a deeper dig here on this segment. Cole Sullivan, linebacker from Central Catholic. They already got one of those on board. Could another be in play for them as they move forward? Yeah, Anthony Specka is not the only Power 5 linebacker on that roster. Sullivan, 
So I got the chance to watch Sullivan's tape after Penn State offered. Wasn't all that familiar with him beforehand. I'd heard the name before, but hadn't really dove into who he is as a prospect. And I like what I saw. You know, he's athletic. So he's, I think he's a little bit more athletic than Specka. He might not be able to match him when it comes to the instincts that we rave about with Specka, but he's a pretty good prospect. And another guy whose offer list does reflect that. And another guy who, when the rank, when he, when the time comes for him to be ranked, sure he'll be ranked favorably because he's a solid prospect. And with Sullivan, you know, he goes in every day, and now he has to hear Specka <laughs> with him committed. He's got the offer, so you already know Specka's a recruiter. We've laid that out pretty clearly. That's going to be another guy he's all over, and another guy I'm anticipating back on campus in the spring. Yeah, Sullivan has been generating a lot of interest. The Big Ten teams beginning to, to really pay a lot of attention to him, and it'll be fun to watch that defense play football uh, this upcoming fall at Central Catholic. They've got yeah. some ballers there, uh, at least one future Nittany line in the mix. Let's stick with linebacker recruiting because – that is an area we, we talked quarterback and I feel like you, you always have to lead off with quarterback when you talk about oh, yeah. a cycle of recruiting. But now that we're going to kind of take some time over the course of several episodes, focus on some different positions for the 2024 cycle. And you wanted to go linebacker this time. I was all on board. They call this place linebacker you for a reason. And it's always at the in emphasis on the recruiting trail. They did a wondrous job last cycle signing three high caliber players. Tony Roas already off to a really hot start here on campus. Kavion Keys will be joining him and Timir Robinson uh, in just a little while. But when we look at names to know in 2024, let's start with Chris Jones because we've talked about that a lot out of Mountain View High School in Stafford, Virginia. And by the way, we got five nine names to go through here. No unranked guys. These are all top 24-7 prospects. And, again, going back to Jones, who's been a frequent flyer around here. Yeah, another guy we've been talking about for what well, feels like a long time, I would say, because you got the relationship with Kenny Sanders with them being related. He's tossed around the idea of taking an official visit to Penn State. That's something that's pretty sure that's going to happen at some point this offseason. So he's high on Penn State's board and Penn State's high on his list. So. That's a pretty good place for the Nittany Lions to be in considering the level of prospect that Jones is. Athletic backer could do a lot, a lot of good things in the middle of your defense. Manny Diaz really likes him. So Penn State's been pushing here. Going to get him back for the official. Good opportunity for the staff to maybe close. You know, having that relationship with Sanders is big. Obviously, it's not the end-all be on his recruitment because if it was, we, we know where he'd be by now. He's, he's examining. He's got a lot of high-tier options, Penn State being one of them. Got a lot of options to examine, but that official visit where he's around the team and the staff for more than just a day, that's going to be a big deal for Penn State. So looking forward to see how that official plays out. I think the Nittany Lions are going to be in a good spot coming out of that. Well, a few cycles ago, Tyler, uh, Penn State signed a linebacker out of Belleville High School in Michigan. Uh, that was Jamari Budden. He has since departed the program. He'll be elsewhere uh, this season. But they've got another guy on the radar there, a top 24-7 linebacker at Belleville, Jeremiah Beasley. Yeah, so Beasley just recently decided to push his commitment date back, which I'd say doesn't really come as much of a surprise because he visited Penn State in January, got the offer. The Nittany Lions really jumped to the top of his list coming out of that visit. But at the same time, Michigan State's been heavily involved in that recruitment for a while, and he's got a lot of other Big Ten options out in the Midwest. So there's a lot for him to consider moving forward. I think he's going to really take it through the spring, be patient, take all those visits, and – figure out where he wants to officially visit and then come to a decision after that because he doesn't want to rush into a decision. You know, you never want to make a call coming off a visit. And while Penn State isn't a high place on that list coming off the visit, not to the point where he's ready to pop for the Nittany Lions or anywhere, but Beasley, definitely a name to know. 
Penn State has a projected starter, a likely starter from Our Lady Good Counsel in Landon Tengwell on the offensive line. There's a linebacker there that a lot of people are flocking to in the 2024 class named Aaron Childs, uh, and he was one of the premier prospects down in Maryland. You know, truthfully, haven't heard a ton on his recruitment lately, but the fact of the matter is he's someone who has been pretty prominent on Penn State's linebacker board for a while. He's probably got a prominent spot in the rankings, so – I think his spring visit schedule will kind of tell the story of where he's at in his recruitment. Penn State's got a good relationship with that staff down there and just strong ties in that area. We know that. So that works in its favor, but not a whole lot of buzz right now, one way or the other. So we're, I, I think the spring is going to be really interesting to see where he gets out and visits. All right, let's go all the way down to Picayune, Mississippi. It's a, it's a name that we addressed, I think, last week on this podcast. One of my favorites. He's very high on Penn State. We all love the film. The production was awesome last year, but all of a sudden a lot of teams are lining up for Jamonte Waller. I think the last time we talked about Waller, we said that it was really only a matter of time before the SEC pro, the high-level SEC. And here it is. Yeah, and and here it is. I, I think 20 minutes before we hopped on the air, he picked up an offer from LSU. So that just speaks to where that recruitment is headed. He's got all the SEC powers on him now. So Penn State got him on campus at, I would say, a pretty good time. So – you know, Waller mentioned the top three of Penn State, Ole Miss, and South Carolina coming out of January. I would say at this point, that top three, I'm not sure how much relevance it carries because he's going to get out and visit the likes of Alabama, Auburn, LSU, all these new offers and all these new opportunities that he has. So we'll see where the Nittany Lions stand coming out of that. But the big thing to know with Waller is that visit was extremely impactful. For Penn State, it, it, they just did a really good job with him. That's a sentiment that I've received from that camp. So while the SEC opportunities are going to be extremely intriguing to a Mississippi native, you know, these they dream of playing in the SEC, a lot of these kids. But, you know, th there's a draw to Penn State for Waller. And we'll see. I, I don't know if he'll make it back in the spring just because his visit schedule is going to be so loaded. But it wouldn't surprise me if he winds up back in Happy Valley. And, you know, that's going to be a guy the staff continues to monitor pretty heavily. This one, if Penn State and the coaching staff is able to steer this recruitment process back to a follow-up visit, uh, official visit capacity, I'd imagine, is what you would want. Or maybe you get him into Beaver Stadium for a game environment. And when you're trying to make that high-impact impression on a kid who, who lives beyond the region, that's often a great go-to move. We don't know what his timeline will look like for a decision, if that would allow it. But, man, it just – when they start swarming in SEC country around a kid from Mississippi – doesn't yeah. usually bode well for any team in the Big Ten. But like you said, good timing for the visit. Penn State typically seems to be out in front on a lot of guys right before yeah. the, uh, It's usually a, a good spot to be rather than running and trying to chase like a lot of the other programs do. Uh, let's go to uh, one more name on this list and and a guy down at Gilman High School, another program uh, at, at Baltimore that, that perennially produces Power 5 talent. And Dewan Lane. Is, uh, rounds out our list of linebackers to mention on this episode. Another another guy from the DMV who has really tossed around the idea of taking an official. I think Penn State's going to get one. Penn State likes him as a Sam. So he's, he's played a lot of safety for Gilman, but he projects as a Sam at the next level. Kind of reminds you of Dakari Nelson in that sense, even though Dakari is going to wind up sticking at safety. But Lane projects more as a, a true Sam at the next level. That's the position Penn State likes him for. High on the board. Probably going to get that official visit. That's something that he's told 24-7 sports in the past. Has had good experiences with the staff, has a good relationship with the staff. There's a comfort in Happy Valley. So Lane's not too big on interviews and his process. He kind of just goes about his business, does what he has to do, makes his visits, keeps a low profile, but he's a, he's high profile for Penn State when it comes to where he stands as a target.
Yeah, he's a guy who carries the athlete label. And to your point, you know, depending on the the lens of whatever coaching staff is evaluating Lane, you could see a safety. You could be, see a Sam linebacker. We know where the Nittany Lions like him moving forward. Uh, and, and let's finish up with a couple more recent developments. Great stuff on the linebackers in the Pennsylvania recruiting landscape. But a couple new offers I wanted to address with you before we turn our attention to Daniel Gallen. Uh, 2024 New York prospect out of Iona Prep in New Rochelle, Jalen Hicks on the defensive line. You caught up with him, and it sounds like he is going to uh, reciprocate the interest pretty heavily with Nittany Lions. Yeah, he'll be on campus for a visit in late March. He's going to drop by and check out his spring practice. And I think Hicks is more of an under-the-radar prospect in New York. He was part of an Iona prep defensive line that went into New Jersey and beat a really good Don Bosco team. So I think there's part of his recruitment is really just getting the tape out there and testing well and, you know, making the rounds this spring and summer and kind of getting himself out there. Cause while Iona prep has turned out plenty of division one players in the past, you know, they, they still managed to fly under the radar to a degree. And I think that's where Hicks is at right now. But John Scott Jr. is not making this offer. He doesn't like the traits. It reminds me a little bit of Tyreek Blanding, even though Hicks is more of an end than Blanding. Uh, you know, got early identification, like the traits, see him as a guy you could develop, get him on campus, see where things go from there. You know, what's the personality like? Is it a fit schematically off the field as well? So when he makes it to campus in March, we'll have a follow-up with him. And, and they've got you know, some history on the defensive line from New York. Adiza Isaac, Caleb Artis, uh, Tyreek Blanding now coming on board, um, and another name to know here in 2024 cycle. Let's finish off by getting back to the topic that started this conversation, in-state recruiting. A 2025 offer is out to Brady O'Hara. Uh, tight end, uh, spoke with Brian Dome. We've got a story up at lines247.com. Penn State offers an in-state tight end. You pay attention, and naturally it's going to warrant a lot of uh, attention from that recruit himself. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. So this was pretty much just a matter of time because when O'Hara visited Penn State in January, he already he arrived on campus with offers from, I believe, it was Wisconsin and Pitt. So he was already on that Power 5 radar. Penn State wanted to get a look at him, like what it saw, and that culminated in an offer. So I went really in-depth with O'Hara on his junior day experience, and he's a big X's and O's guy. He loved getting with Ty Hal, talking about tight end play, how he would fit in the offense. So that's a good really little relationship that's forming. It's still really, really early for the Pittsburgh native. But like you said, whenever an in-state offer goes out and it's a tight end specifically, that's an eye-opening offer. So I think there's going to be a high level of interest in Penn State from Ohio moving forward. Another guy who I'd expect back on campus sooner rather than later, not in any sort of rush. Like I said, his recruitment's really just getting started. But you got to like where Penn State stands early on. That I want to see how that relationship with Hal comes along because they were able to chop it up and break down some film at a pretty that, that was something O'Hara raved about. So for that to come together before even having an offer, that's good news for the Nittany Lions. Business is booming for Penn State in the tight end department and recruiting. It has been for several years now, and, and they've been able to maintain that even with a couple of transitions at, at the tight end coach position. Brady O'Hara, by the way, halfway through his high school career, listed at six foot six, two hundred and thirty-five pounds at a North Catholic high school in Pittsburgh. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much for breaking down uh, all this stuff with us during the past twenty-five minutes. Of course, folks can read all your content at lions247.com. We appreciate you, man. Always appreciate you having me on, man. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's switch gears. And as promised, my other teammate from lines247.com, Daniel Gallen, now joins us back on the podcast. How you doing, Daniel? I'm doing well, Tyler. It's, it's nice to be back. Well, we just had a really good, pretty deep dive into the recruiting pool with Tyler Calvaruso. We're going to venture out of that and focus on the current Penn State roster a little bit because thanks to the Penn State coaching staff and their public uh, notes of praise for top performers after these winter workouts, which are now halfway through, we've got a scope in terms of who's bringing the intensity, who's bringing the motivation, uh, and who is showing up ready to roll in these Tuesday and Thursday mornings thus far in February Four in the books, four more of these winter workouts to come. Then they'll get to spring break. Then they'll get to spring practice. But let's go position by position a little bit, Daniel. You and I have been documenting on the site. I had a bit of a summary article of sorts on Thursday afternoon about those first four sessions. And we'll go with the quarterback room. It took a little while to get there because the first two days, Mike Yersich said, Bo Perbula, Bo Perbula. Then he goes Drew Aller, back to Perbula. I, I want to preface all this by saying these are not – really football related uh pra- these are these are guys who are getting acknowledged because they brought the intensity from start to finish they competed and, and they were motivated in an environment where Penn State really views it as a springboard to where they want to be from a team mindset and from a team camaraderie standpoint going into spring ball and getting those pads back on this isn't really about who's jumping on the depth chart who's going to throw the football better who's going to tackle the quarterback better so i just want to put that out there but Perbula has three of these nods Aller has one. And of course, you got Jackson Smolik working in the wings and the 25 year old, 26 year old Sean Clifford now uh, working away from Penn State facilities for the first time since 2016. Yeah, I mean, you look at these offseason workouts and it, it's all a data point. You know, with college football, especially at this time of year, there's only so much information that you can get. And this is something that the, the team is putting out. So it, it's something that you read into a little bit. Not too much. Sometimes it can give you a a little hint um, of maybe potential breakout guys. But I do remember last year when at the end of uh, near near the end of winter workouts, when we went to the max out day um, and Chuck Losey got asked about, um, you know, the quarterbacks and especially Drew Aller. And and he said something. I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but he said something along the lines about how this offseason workout environment catered a little bit more to what Bo Perbula could do. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Bo Perbula had had more experience um, in kind of a, a weight program and, and things along those lines. Um, so that was kind of why we were seeing uh, his name out a lot. But, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people were waiting to see Drew Aller's name there. And, uh, you know, we finally got it. But at the same time, seeing Bo Perbula's name there, too, is good because James Franklin said that it's going to come down to both of those guys to emerge as leaders at that quarterback spot, especially with Sean Clifford moving on and leaving such a void there. Not many names to choose from in that room. There's three <laughs> right now. And, and one's true. been on campus for about a month. Uh, but but I will say, Bo Perbula, this, I mean, he is going to show up and work his ass off. We all know this. And he's a guy that we talked about during his recruitment process. I mean, with Drew Aller, it was always this guy is your prototypical 
passer. You, I mean, he's a blue chip on the rise quarterback. With Bo Prabula, part of the conversation was he could probably play multiple positions at the Power Five level. So a guy like that, you, you know, take the football out of the equation. You know that that lends to some strong days. And by the way, I think there's always some gamesmanship. Some, some some going on between the coaching staff and their players. There's some messages. There's some read between the line things about who they're picking, who they're not picking. Uh, so again, read into it what you will in these picks. But running back, Nick Singleton got the first two nods. Uh, Jay Wan Sider and Anthony Poindexter in the safeties room. Both of them actually only announced three picks uh, out of the four days. So just going to put that out there. Running back was uh, two for Nick Singleton. He had the first two and Sider was on Twitter talking about how he showed up to these winter workouts as though he had accomplished nothing as a freshman. And by the way, he did accomplish a lot as a freshman, 14 touchdowns. <laughs> so Holdsworth though, Tyler Holdsworth is the name that comes out on this Thursday uh, from winter workout number four. Right now in that room, Daniel, you know this, the, the, the walk-on running backs outnumbered the scholarship running backs. And that's going to remain the case until the summer when they get a couple of scholarship freshmen on board. Holsworth's one of the three walk-ons. He's a 2022 transfer from Delaware Valley University, got into four games last year. Uh, so I'm not necessarily surprised to see a walk-on pop up there. Um, and then a receiver, I wanted to kind of throw this your way because you've written a few stories about the dynamics of this room. You've got a, a new coach. You've got an evolving group of players, most of whom have not accomplished much at this level of the sport. And as a result, we've got three different names and, and what is probably a really fun competitive environment, because I think a lot, everybody in that room considers themselves a potential breakout candidate. Yeah, I, I think to start at, at running back, it, it's similar to what you said about quarterback, where there's only so many guys that you can really choose from right there. But, you know, getting that kind of feedback from Nick Singleton really isn't a surprise um, based on what he said after last season ended and, and what we heard from him last week, you kind of know what you're going to get uh, from him in terms of someone showing up, working out. Um, you know, he he goes about his business. Um, and and Holsworth is, is interesting. I mean, he showed a little bit of a little bit of wiggle uh, in some of those games as that, that fourth running back near the end of the year uh, during practice last year. He was usually in the opposing team's number one running back's jersey number. Um, and I think I forget if it was you or Mark uh, made the joke a couple weeks ago and we were talking about the running backs. Uh, Holsworth could be an early favorite for blue white game MVP. So I would I would keep that in mind uh, as as April gets a little bit closer. Uh, the wide receivers, though, definitely interesting. It's kind of the opposite of, uh, you know, quarterback and running back in terms of there's a lot of names to choose from. Uh, there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of guys that are really trying to to make an impact and make an impression. You know, Penn State lost its top two uh, wide receivers from last year in Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, you get a little bit of a clean you know, clean slate with Marcus Hagens uh, coming in to coach the room. Uh, you have Malik McLean in there um, as, a, as a new face. So there's, there's a lot of dynamics, a lot of shifting around in there. Um, you know, I do think that it's good to see uh, Trey Wallace in there twice so far. Um, I think he's someone who... You know, the expectations for him in the preseason, I thought, were were pretty high given on what some of his teammates were saying, what some of the coaches were seeing, saying. You know, we did see him cut into Keandre Lambert Smith's snaps there for a little bit, um, and he did have that long catch against Michigan. But otherwise, I think that you still want to see more out of him. Um, and then, you know, to have Malik McLean there week one, that sets a tone uh, for, for a transfer coming in, showing what he's about with his new position coach. And then Keandre Lambert-Smith, him getting recognized, 
I think also bodes well because he is the top returner uh, statistically yeah. um, and in terms of experience. So, you know, at a position group where there's a lot of guys who could do a lot, but haven't really done much. Um, I think that he's someone that, you know, you really want to see, um, you know, set a tone and come in to work this off season. Speaking with Keandre Lambert Smith out in Pasadena immediately after the Rose Bowl it was his first 100 yard game in his career. And, you know, just having that conversation uh, about what was ahead for him, he was really emphasizing needing to step up as a leader. He knew Mitchell Tinsley was gone. He knew Parker Washington was gone. What he did not know yet was that Taylor Stubblefield would be, you know, sent on his way as well. And that impacts the leadership in that room. So, Keandre Lambert Smith, uh, there's a lot on his plate right now, I think, from a production standpoint, replacing some production that left, but also, uh, there are some, you know, some leadership aspects and, and some some mental aspects to Keandre Lambert Smith that we've been unraveling for the last few years. And we've been hearing about and, and James Franklin has alluded to it. Taylor Stubblefield repeatedly talked about it with Keandre Lambert Smith. And now that he's in year four, um, you know, it's, it's a golden opportunity. So I, I'm with you. Good to see him. And Harrison Wallace is to me, his ability to take a leap here in, in year three really is going to do a lot to determine the ceiling of this overall wide receiver room. I love the fact that you're adding Dante Cephas. Uh, you think you added a starting caliber player in McLean, whether he's in the first team lineup or not. Uh, we'll see. But I think the important thing that we've talked about, we try to push during the transfer portal chase for guys is you want to you want to have six deep, six solid. And then if you're working anything off of that, it's a luxury to you. Uh, but I think right now, Harrison Wallace cemented himself in that. We'll see if he can really push to, to elbow his way and maybe hold on to a starting role. He's going to have all that work in the spring coming up. going to be key for him with Marcus Higgins. At tight end, uh, wrote a story about this midweek, Khalil Dinkins. The first three times he was the pick by Ty Howell at tight end. He's in year three, a guy who came to campus as, as a position versatile kind of prospect. There was a lot of debate. Would he end up as the linebacker coming out of high school? He was recruited as a tight end, a linebacker, a defensive end, even safety by an FPS program. And so Dinkins, though, has found a home for himself on offense in the tight end room. He was the number four guy consistently last year. That that didn't mean a lot of opportunities, 75 snaps on the season for him. You got three tight ends playing a bunch, but that changes now with Brent Strange gone. And I certainly think that he is slotted as that number three tight end. Uh, he is a weapon downfield. He can move. Uh, he told me that he cut his his 40-yard dash time from about 4-9 to 4-6 uh, in year, uh, from year one to year two on campus with Penn State. So we'll see what year three looks like for him. Uh, but a lot to like about the athletic profile here. His father spent a decade in the NFL at the tight end position, won a Super Bowl. And then Jerry Cross is the name that pops up here on a Thursday. And I love to see that because Cross – was tucked away for a long time last year as a true freshman. He enrolled in January, but he wasn't able to be on the field for a chunk of, of time last fall. He ultimately was able to work his way into a practice squad mainstay by the end of the year and through postseason work. But Cross is a guy that I think people have either kind of put on the back burner because of how awesome this 2023 class is and he didn't do anything on the field. But I'm going to caution people against that. It may take a couple of years more because the tight end room is pretty stacked ahead of him. But it's good to see Jerry Cross making those inroads. And I'm not surprised to hear it because there's a lot of excitement about what he was able to get out of year one for Penn State, although we didn't see it materialize on the field for him for one reason or another. Yeah, it's pretty easy for, for Cross to get squeezed out when you look at the, the tight end room because you have Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren returning at the top. And there's been excitement about those two players for the past two years and then you bring in uh guys like um you know andrew rapelier you've got mega barnwell joey schlaffer you have three 
freshman tight ends coming in. And so that leaves Cross and Dinkins as kind of the the middle guys that yeah. can pretty easily get squeezed out, um, especially for Jerry Cross, given that he was hurt last season. You know, we didn't even really we didn't even see him in practice until the very, very end of the season. We saw him dress for pregames, but did not see him on the field. Um, so that's someone who you know had a lot of work to do when he got here. And I think that that's kind of a, a common theme with a lot of these tight ends that Penn State brings in. You know, we've you let you kind of laid it out there with Dinkins that when he came in, he had a lot of work to do. Jerry Cross is similar. But I think that you're starting to see some of the results uh, from those players. You know, Dinkins is really interesting. Um, you know, you say that he's in line to be the number three tight end, but as we saw the last two years, that number three tight end can get a lot of work, can be used in different ways. Um, and if I think that Mike Yersich has kind of shown that if you can play, they're going to find a way to get you onto the field. You know, whether that's putting two tight ends out there, even three tight ends in shotgun formations. Uh, there, there's an element of creativity there that I think really benefits um, the tight ends position. Yeah, the third third tight end in this offense right now, I mean, you're looking at 250 plus snaps. I mean, that's a big leap no matter how you, how you kind of parse through it uh, with Dinkins. And, 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 oh, by the way, with Dinkins, came to campus at about 215 pounds. He's now pushing 240. And, and I remember Brenton Strange showing up at right around 210, 215, finishing his career right around 245, 250, and has a complete tight end. So Penn State has done a really good job of bringing these guys in from one end of the spectrum and sending them out the other. And maybe we're seeing that process play out with Dinkins. On the offensive line, three guys who started at least five games at the offensive tackle position last year have gotten the nods. Caden Wallace has gotten two of those Olu Fashionu and Drew Shelton. Let's start with the fact that Olu Fashionu, we got video evidence now, <laughs> thanks to Penn State. He's out there pushing it, fully physical, and that's very important to see. We don't think we had any doubts that would be the case coming into 2023. In fact, he very well may have been able to get on the field at the end of 2022 into the Rose Bowl. It didn't happen, but it just verifies, checks it off your box, maybe alleviates some concern about lingering issues from that injury last fall. And you've got a guy who could very well be OT1 in the next draft. Yeah, you've got almost uh, proof of life um, for Olu Fashioni <laughs> right there. Um, you know, him being back out onto the field. You know, granted, there is a lot of time between now and week one. And he's someone who has already played football. You know, that kind of knows what he's in for. But so if he did miss some time, it's not the same thing as like a freshman or, or a newcomer missing some time. But, you know, if he can have a full offseason season. Uh, get back physically to 100%. You know, James Franklin talked a lot about how last spring he was one of the only guys who was out there for every single practice on the offensive line. And I think that that really served as a springboard for him um, last fall. So, you know, the more Olu out there, the better. I think that's what everyone wants to see. It's probably what Drew Aller wants to see too. Um, and you know, if Olu can have a, a great offseason, then I think that raises the ceiling you know, that much more for him. Through the first seven games of the season, your starting left tackle was Olu Fashionu. Your starting right tackle was Caden Wallace. And I had the sense going out uh, going out of the last season and, and coming into the winter that there was a fire lit in Caden Wallace, dedicating himself to year five with the program. Um, I think people were wondering, could he be someone who maybe would look for an option elsewhere? Uh, but he's reinvested and that's not to say he was never not invested but he's a guy who spent a lot of time watching football last year he saw a young tackle and drew shelton step up play a lot of ball bryce after handled himself well uh, remained the starter in the rose bowl when katie wallace got in 
Caden did get, cut into some of those snaps against Utah, but Bryce Efner was the starter. It was the first time Caden Wallace wasn't the starting right tackle for Penn State when available going back to the 2020 season. And here he is. And I, and I know we got some things to figure out with how tackle is going to work out. You got some freshmen in the mix there. Uh, you've got Drew Shelton, who's I, I would qualify as a bit of a wild card right now because of how he finished last season. And you try to, you can understand why the staff may want to find a way to get him on the field. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Caden Wallace to be, Two out of four uh, from Phil Troutwine, who does not give these things out lightly. Uh, I think it says a lot about where he is in year five and and really where he is within that room in terms of carrying respect uh, from his peers, from the coaching staff. And he may be one of the more uh, – maybe one – I don't know if overlooked is the right word, but he may be one of the guys that when we get into the 2023 season and see it going, his story, the way he finishes his career, could be a really – compelling one because last year he became a bit of a whipping boy at times it felt like when things got under duress when things weren't necessarily clicking for the offensive line through the first month of the season there was a lot of that landing on him and part of that was probably because there was so much familiarity with him being a part of you know less than stellar offensive lines in years past Wallace is definitely going to be an interesting offensive lineman to follow the the season. Um, I think that he kind of went through a, an out of sight, out of mind thing. And, you know, you saw the offensive line performing well without him on the field. So I think that it, it made it kind of easy for him to become a, a forgotten man or to get written off by, by certain members of the fan base. But I think that also what we saw last season is that you can really never have too many offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can have him as someone who has started a bunch of games in the Big Ten um, and someone who has had some some bad reps put on put on film. But I thought otherwise in the middle of last season was you know playing pretty well. Um, I think that that bodes really well. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how Drew Shelton fits into that. Uh, I wrote about Drew Shelton uh, a little earlier this Thursday afternoon. Um, some of the things that he said uh, before the Rose Bowl, some things that he said last week. Um, he has said that you know he can play both left and right. Um, that you know, last year he was mostly focusing on left tackle, but you know the more if he can get a bunch of practice reps, um, you know, and do a lot of mental preparation, he believes he can be he can play at right tackle. And you know, I personally I believe that he can do that too, uh, based off of what we saw from him and the fact that he's so young and that Phil Troutwine is going to cross train these guys. Um, so. You know, Caden Wallace is is pretty interesting. You know, his situation was you know is different than than Olu's, where you know Olu was out there before every game in street clothes. Uh, it was obvious that he wasn't going to play, but we saw Caden Wallace dress. Uh, we saw him you know go through warm ups here and there. We saw him out on the practice field, uh, yep. but we never saw him uh, in game action until the Rose Bowl. So um, I know that you caught up with him out in Pasadena, and that you know, he had some, some good things to say. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where, where this shakes out. Um, I, I do think that we kind of learned last year with that Efner and Wallace rotation that, and then with the left guard rotation that Penn state is going to do what it can to get, um, you know, everyone onto the field that can play. And that I think James Franklin kind of termed it as deserves to play too. Um, so we'll see what that looks like, whether or not it's another rotation, you know, how this actually shakes out, but we got a lot of time to do that um, between now and West Virginia. But I do think that this is what you want to hear, uh, you know, about someone like Caden Wallace at this point in the year. I wanted to bunch up the, the next two rooms in a little, in a, in a bit of a way, because Adiza Isaac has taken two out of the four top performer shout outs from John Scott Jr. on the defensive line. And then at linebacker, 
Tony Rojas turned some heads. The freshman uh, workout one was the pick by Manny Diaz, but three consecutive since then have gone to Curtis Jacobs. Those are two guys that when we got on our respective planes and left Southern California, came back uh, to Central PA in January, we didn't know if we'd be covering them again. And we are. And this is a great early return, early feedback from the staff on both Jacobs and Isaac. Isaac and Jacobs could wind up being the best you know, recruiting wins uh, for mm -hmm. Penn State from this offseason when you look at the direct impact on the 2023 season. Um, pass rushers are at a premium. Uh, we know that. We've seen that. Yeah, it's pretty you know, common wisdom when it comes to football in the trenches. Uh, but you know, getting Curtis Jacobs back, you're going to have you know, Abdul Carter, Kobe King, and Tyler Elsden and Curtis Jacobs back, you know, that top three group from the end of last year, you know, and that means that someone like Tony Rojas might not necessarily be thrust into action um, earlier in their career. And, you know, I think Jacobs is someone too, where we talked a lot last off season about there's going to be that leadership void on defense with Brisker, Ellis Brooks, um, Jesse Lucetta leaving that. I think Jacobs was kind of, you know, picked as someone to step into that. That was mostly, I think, Jair Brown and P.J. Mustafer last year. I think Jacobs probably led in his own way. Um, but if he's setting a tone in these workouts, leading by example, I think that that's something else that you can look to um, as a positive right now. But you know, we know the physical tools that, that he has. We know that he's a really good Sam linebacker in this defense. Um, so I'm excited to see what he looks like this spring and what else he can kind of add to his game as he goes into his fourth year. I mentioned Rojas getting the the uh, one one shout out at linebacker. There was two others to go through at defensive line. Azariah Fisher, that's fantastic to see. We didn't think we'd get him on the field uh, in terms of a look uh, in 2022. He was able to get out there in late November for some Big Ten reps. Uh, was involved with Rose Bowl prep after suffering an injury last spring. So Azariah Fisher hit the ground running. He's kind of trying to put himself in a spot where he was coming out of last year's winter workouts. If you recall, I mean, Chuck Losey, as they were closing winter workouts in 2022, went out of his way to point to Zariah Fisher as a guy who made significant strides and was maybe set up to have that big spring. And within a couple of weeks, he was ruled out for a, for a long-term period due to that injury. And then Amin Vanover, who was kind of quietly one of the more consistent members of Penn State's a rotational approach on defense in 2022 uh, also gets a, a look there from John Scott on the defensive line. Let's go to the defensive backfield now. I'm going to pair these two up together again because at cornerback and at safety, the multiple picks go to guys who are in their second year on campus. Cam Miller played 11 games last year at cornerback. K.J. Winston played 12 games last year at safety. Both of them also contributed on special teams, but each of them, uh, based on early indications from the staff here in February, taking those steps that we fully expected each of those to make. Yeah, Cam Miller is going to have a, a good opportunity this year with, with Joey Porter Jr. moving on. Obviously, there's competition there because you have Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Storm Duck, uh, between those three guys right there, that is a lot of football uh, between them. A lot of experience. Also, Daquan Hardy. Uh, yeah, Daquan Hardy there, there too. Yeah, there's there's so much football uh, ahead of Cam Miller. But I think the fact that they burned his red shirt last year, the fact that they rotated him in, gave him a special teams role, um, I think that that's a positive um, for him, you know, coming out of his freshman year. Um, you know, cornerback, it's, it's one of those things where – in terms of you know, that talent, I think more than a lot of positions, it's kind of like, all right, like you got to see it on Saturdays um, just because of the way practices are and the nature of the position. But 
I feel like Cam Miller is one of those guys where we've heard a lot of really good things about him. Um, you know, it's not that you're hearing negative things about other guys, but sometimes you just don't hear about people. And we've heard a lot about Cam Miller. Uh, KJ Winston is similar. And I think that KJ Winston, when you look at how they used the safeties last year, um, you know, four guys playing heavy reps, KJ Winston was that fifth guy. And so I think that he's in line to join that top four. And you know, with his skill set, with his athleticism, with his length, uh, what he's able to do in that role, I think is going to be really, really fun to watch. I know that there's a lot of people high on him. Uh, I really liked his, his tape coming out of DeMatha. Um, the fact that he came out of a program like that, you know he's going to be ready for this. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do because, you know, similar to what we've talked about with some of these other spots, you know, Manny Diaz really did his best to get the best players on the field last year, uh, no matter the situation. And, you know, and KJ Winston is putting himself in position for Penn State to still be able to go four deep at safety. Yeah, mentioned it before, but there may not be a guy uh, in this defensive unit right now who seems to garner as much buzz uh, about what he may be able to accomplish in the next few years as K.J. Winston. I guess Abdul Carter takes the cake. I can't <laughs> say that with confidence, but K.J. Winston from that 2023 class and, and, and what or 2022 class, what he's able to do year one. You look at what match up his snaps with his production, very productive player when given opportunity to get out there and get some run on the defensive side of things. Um, Storm Duck uh, also got uh, the day one uh, nod at cornerback, him and Malik McLean at wide receiver, you know, right from the jump, uh, workout number one, got the nods from their position coaches. We also saw Colin Dinkins on Thursday, uh, a walk-on, younger brother of the aforementioned uh, Khalil Dinkins. He was the pick at cornerback for Terry Smith, a walk-on in his second year, uh, and also – Zeki Wheatley was the other pick at safety, along with KJ Winston getting it twice. I mentioned earlier, Anthony Poindexter, safety's coach, only gave us three names through those four workouts. So we're working off of that. Um, and finishing up here with specialists, two for Alex Paqueta, uh, scholarship edition last year. He's vying for a few different roles. Punter is the priority one. Mitchell Grow, a walk-on kicker, and Sanders Sahadak, a scholarship kicker who's now in his third year on campus after being the number one kicker in 24-7 sports composite rankings back in 2021. Those are the three selections uh, for Stacey Collins, a special teams coordinator. And I wanted to go through that last portion pretty quickly because we're running out of time here. You've seen Penn State, some highs and lows in the last few days. You were down in College Park last Saturday. Uh, watched that fourth consecutive loss get picked up by the Penn State basketball program. A 74-68 to 68 defeat down there. But then you were also in the BJC Tuesday night when they pick up a 93-81 to 81 victory over Illinois. They snapped the losing streak. Jalen Pickett's 41-point performance put him in program history. Give me a few minutes of a summary of what you've witnessed what it means moving forward whether penn state has any chance to claw back toward bubble consideration and what people should appreciate about what jalen pickett has done all season long yeah the these past couple of weeks for the the penn state basketball program uh, featured uh, a lot of downs uh, i think the panic button was starting to get hit a little bit um in that four game losing streak but yeah i think what we saw on on tuesday night that win over illinois I think the groundwork for that was really laid um, Saturday at Maryland. Penn State lost that game 74-68. to 68. Um, They were losing by double digits in the first half, uh, you know, within the first 10 minutes. They had an absolutely abysmal start, surpassed their, you know, turnovers per game average in the first 12 minutes um, of action, a lot of points off turnovers. They cleaned it up, got back into the game, were leading, 
Then they went cold again and then had and went down by double digits again and then had one last kind of furious attempt um, at the end and that that fell short. But I think coming out of that game, I think that the mood around the team was a little bit better than it had been after some of the other losses. I think that they saw some positives there that they were really able to reiterate on Sunday and Monday uh, in film sessions and in practice. And then that carried over into what we saw Tuesday night. Um, you know, Jalen Pickett was just masterful, you know, 41 points on 15 of 20 shooting five of nine from three also had eight assists, just a really, you know, he is an all around just great player. I mean, I think that, you know, he is really in only two years, he's really started to kind of, you know, make his mark in Penn state basketball history. Um, and he's someone that every night, you know, he's going to show up, you know, he's going to do a lot of things. And that's been really, really valuable for Penn state. Um, he had 24 points at halftime and in that first half, he was just really scoring at will, um, at certain points, uh, Illinois tried to do a bunch of different things to counter him. Um, <laughs> there was kind of a joke that it seemed like he scored on every single member of their team, uh, cause they tried to switch everybody onto him to find something that would work. Um, and it just didn't. Um, so I think that him showing up. Kanye Clary, the freshman guard from Virginia, you know, he has taken on a bigger role these past two games. You know, I think seeing positives like that, you know, gives you hope that there's still there's still a chance. You know, Penn State is six and nine right now. Um, they have five in the Big Ten. They have five games remaining. The next two are against Minnesota and Ohio State, two teams that are behind them in the standings. You know, you have to take care of business. 9 p.m. Eastern tip at Minnesota on a Saturday night isn't necessarily the most you know, ideal situation. Um, they lost there last year uh, with an 8.30 p.m. Saturday tip. But if you take care of business, you're back at 8 and 9 with three games to go and the chance to add a couple wins that boost your resume. You know, I think that Penn State is still, they're still there. <laughs> uh, you know, And then you have the Big Ten tournament to help too. So you know, it seemed like it would be easy to leave them for dead after that Maryland game. Um, you know, I do think that the two Wisconsin losses this year are two that could are the two that at the end of the year, if this team make misses the tournament, those are the ones that you're going to look back at as the biggest missed opportunities. Um, but they're there. Um, they just have to take care of business, maybe get a couple bounces to go their way against Northwestern, Rutgers and Maryland in the final three games of the season. But yeah, I do think that when the dust settles in Chicago and you have selection selection Sunday after the Big Ten tournament, you know, I do think that Penn State will have reason to have a watch party, you know, and a reason to, you know, you know, have an expectation that they could be in the field if they take care of their if they take care of business these next couple of weeks. Hey, it's a more optimistic outlook than I think we had uh, on this show <laughs> last Thursday. So uh, Penn State now 15 and 11, six and nine. In the Big Ten last year, which was year one under Micah Shrewsbury, they finished 14 and 17, 7 and 13 against conference opponents. Daniel, appreciate you breaking down basketball. There was a little bit more we had on our list. We'll, we'll, we'll save it and stash it for the next time we get you on. Uh, thanks, as always, for breaking down both football and basketball with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Great stuff from my colleagues at Lions247.com. Daniel Gallen, Tyler Calvaruso on this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're going to get back to work, get back to writing, get back to reporting, get back to interviewing. A lot coming your way at Lions247.com. A bunch of stuff on the current Penn State roster, young players developing, older players trying to 
take the next step uh, with their with their process here in Happy Valley. Uh, those kind of stories up on the site. We've got a bunch of recruiting updates as well. Brian Doan, Alan True, Steve Wolfong, Wayne in helping out with Tyler Calvaruso's coverage here locally of Penn State. Uh, for now, we're stepping aside. A lot more to come your way on this podcast next week. A couple more episodes, some guests that we're really excited to present here on the show. Uh, I'm Tyler Donahue. Appreciate everyone for listening every single episode. We'll be back real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. The NBA is bigger and better than ever. Don't settle for boring analysis and fake hot takes. Get real insider knowledge, real scoops, and really weird ideas about the game we all love. An oddball with Amin Hassan, that's him, and Charlotte Wilder, that's me. We'll hit you with funny and fearless talk on all things basketball, from the serious stories on the court, the player beefs off of it, and everything in between. You can catch Oddball with Amin Hassan and Charlotte Wilder every Tuesday through Friday on the DraftKings Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts.